You're listening to the Metamorphosis Podcast. What's up, girlfriend? Welcome to Metamorphosis with Mackenzie, where transformation and inspiration meet empowerment. Delve into the realms of science, spirituality, and personal growth as I share tools, powerful hacks, and captivating stories from my travels and experiences all around the world. Not only am I going to have you fully entertained, but as a self-love and glow-up coach, I'm going to have you on your way to your hottest, happiest, healthiest, and most successful self before you even know it. So sit back and enjoy or pop those AirPods in and get your hot girl walk on. Let's dive in. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm bringing to you an interesting and expansive conversation with my dear friend, Nick Bertram, who I connected with through mutual friends while living out in Puerto Rico. Nick is a very successful entrepreneur who has a gift in collaborating, facilitating, and leading massive projects out in Dorado Beach. Him and I can talk for hours, challenging and expanding each other's viewpoints, so I'm excited to bring this conversation to you. In this episode, we talk about business goals, real estate, self-mastery, stress management, astral projection, protection, and dating with strength, as well as a couple of different things and differences between the masculine and feminine roles and ways to strengthen your confidence. Let's dive into it. All right. Hey, Nick, what's up? So we were just diving into a little bit of a conversation about real estate and Nick has this empire building and growing out in Puerto Rico, which is so impressive. And when we have talked about business, things that we've talked about is how in real estate, there's such a prolonged satisfaction that comes with these deals. It really is about the process and it really is about um, having patience within that. And that's something that's a very unfamiliar concept for me. I'm a very impulsive person. I'm the do now, think later type of um, lifestyle, which is fun and fast, but it's also really exhausting. And so I've been trying to transition and take more of like the backseat and slow down. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious as to like what you have learned in the process with real estate, especially because you're kind of forced to be patient. Like talk to me a little bit about that, what that's like. Yeah. So I think, you know, with a lot of these different ventures that we all get into, especially like as young people entering the business world or the entrepreneurial space in general, we're all really focused on things that that are going to give us like an outcome pretty quickly. Yeah. And it makes sense because like, you know, it's for most people when they're entering the entrepreneurial journey, they have to like get money quickly. Right. So it's, 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 Everyone's really, especially in the online space, because everyone wants the freedom of working online and, you know, a lot of the benefits that come with that. And so you, like when you're working online and you're starting your entrepreneurial journey, you're getting cash flow pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, in a lot of ways, there's like a lot of really interesting benefits of being able to live wherever you want and all that. But, right. yet, but as you, I think, maybe start to learn when you're further along into that process, you realize like, oh, there's actually some drawbacks associated with this too. Uh-huh. And so especially when it comes to just like the raw feedback loop of say a real estate project compared to maybe being a day trader, right? So I was hanging out with some day traders yesterday and these guys, they make good money, right? But their neurology, their um, feedback loops that they have between them and the projects that they're working on isn't super intimate. It isn't like their brain chemistry isn't actually designed. Even with your online business, it's really hard to see your Stripe account going up every month and to have that truly satisfy you and because you're not designed to be satisfied that way. So this is kind of a longer answer to get to what you're asking about. Yeah, no, this is good but, though. But when it, when it comes to real estate, 
what you're essentially doing is you're working on something that is on a, obviously a much longer time horizon, but you have a very healthy feedback loop along the way, both in the visual, like, wow, this is a piece of dirt. Now we're removing all the trees off it. Now we're laying a foundation. Now it's in, it, it's starting to happen, right? There's momentum. Yeah. There's that, but then there's also like the realities associated with teamwork and creating relationships and in codependency, right? Which are things that, and the benefits of being codependent on others, right? Because codependency right now, like in every sense, relationships, in business, every it uses a very, like it has a negative connotation. Yeah, I'm really interested in this. Like keep going because that's kind of where I'm at and with what I do, you know, relying on people can put you in positions if you're not in control of yourself or aware of who you are and things like that. And I think it's just really fascinating to hear you say that there are strengths in it because I know that there are, there has to be right. Like there's polarity in everything. There's duality in everything. So I'm really excited to see like what your benefits of codependency are within that relationship, because I, I know that's what you like specialize in. Like you are the glue of the projects and things like that. And a lot of it has to be. Well, yeah. So I think so if we go back to the day trader analogy, right? And so this yeah. is and that was something I had some talent in when I was younger. And yeah, when I was I when I was like that. approaching my careers, you know, I like, you know, and thinking about what I actually wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I ended up going towards the real estate path because real estate people are inherently much happier than the average finance person, right? So if I go back to like the analogy of like, you know, if I'm sitting there and my feedback loop for success when I'm a day trader is green number, red number, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm by myself. That's that is a very different setting. Is very different set like the, the possibilities that you're going to be like the emotional variability and like you know like there's so many things. Whereas like with a real estate project, like I'm forced to work with so many yeah. other people. I'm forced to leave my ego at the door because I can't possibly take like responsibility for an entire project, right? That would be insane. Right. You know what I mean? Because I have to, you know, I'm dependent on so many amazingly professional and talented different people, you know, who are like extremely specialized from the artistic interior design, right. the architecture, all the way to the extremely left brain civil engineering borings, like how far, you know, how far is this foundation going to have to go into the soil and how, what it consists in the soil? Is it clay? Is it sand? Is it, you know, yeah, is bedrock? Like there are all these things where you're forced to, you're always being humbled. You're always living. You're always forced to be like literally outside, you know, like there's even yeah. events associated with just like, you know, so yeah, I think and, and, but getting back to like, to the codependency, right. And this is something that I've been talking about with others too lately is that just in general, if you are, if you have this, the self-awareness to know what your strengths and weaknesses are, mm-hmm. and then, and you match that with being someone who people like to play with and to work with, right? Yeah. yeah. Then you winning, then you're going to naturally fill in the, your gaps around you while continually getting invited back to play with others, right? And so this is like how you, because, because business is an infinite game, right? Because business is an infinite game, the way you win is by understanding this, your strengths and weaknesses and by, you know, like I said, keep getting invited back. Like, (laughs) like when you, when you're on the field, 
you don't want to be the guy who's shooting the most shots like on the basketball court. You want to be the guy who's like being like who's getting maybe the most assists, right? Right, right. You know, yeah. like, and it allows you, I feel like, to stay within your zone of genius. Like you're not supposed to be good at everything. You're not supposed to be able to build the entire project by yourself. And I think, like you said, you know, knowing your strengths and also knowing what you want your life to look like. Going back to the conversation and the comparison between real estate and like day trading or any other entrepreneurial venture. My piece of advice when I talk to like newer entrepreneurs always is to kind of like zoom out and not think about right now where the cash flow is, but what's sustainable for you and what you want your life to look like at the end. Because like you said, if you're going to want a very like quiet, secluded life that has ultimate freedom, that would be more so day trading. Whereas yeah. if you wanted something that has community and consistency, like physically in a location, more so real estate, but until you know who you are and what you want and what you value, you don't know what you want your life to look like. And that's why I feel those faster dollars are always chased in the beginning. And again, going back to patience, which is what this was all about in the first place. Um, how long does the average like project that you work on take and how how did you like just become the person who was patient and like saw the long-term game? Kind of like you were talking oh, about. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm, I wouldn't, I, I never described myself as patient once, <laughs> <laughs> but I do one thing. Well, I'll, I'll, like the way, the right way to think about it in, and to frame it is to realize that the inevitability of um, leveling up in entrepreneurship, leveling up in your skill as a business person is leveling up the duration at which your projects take. Mm. So think like easy example, Elon Musk going to Mars, right? Elon Musk is trying to go to Mars. That's a 50 year goal, you know? Yeah. Right? So when you're working on things that like, you know, the correlation between difficulty and timeline, uh, there's a correlation, that's what I'm saying. There's a correlation between higher difficulty level projects and pursuits and there being a higher and longer timeline associated with achieving that yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And so that's what people are trying to say when they're saying things like life's not like, you know, like these things aren't marathons, these things aren't sprints, they're marathons, right? That's what yeah. they really mean. But it's more like you're like on the Oregon trail, right? Where you're like, you know, you're like hiking a long distance, right? Yeah. But it's, but it is important, but I, I'm not a big patience guy, you know, only because, it's you, you, because right now there's this idea that people are really in love with the journey, right? Like yeah. people like embrace the journey and yeah. I actually, that's really toxic. Like even just like, you know, meeting people down here in Puerto Rico, that's where I'm in Puerto Rico right now. And there mm -hmm. are lots, so many people who are so much more successful than me. And when I think about, but they're just like me and you, right? Yeah. They're just people. They were, they had one night where they were trying to fall asleep and they couldn't fall asleep. And they were on their notes phone, you know, the phone on their notes, and they were writing down the, the thing that they wanted to do, the thing they wanted to achieve. Yeah. And you know what they did? They made their journey so hard, so miserable, so that they'd get to their end result as quickly as possible. It's not like they tried to optimize their journey to be as like enjoyable and as fun as possible. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they made it as hard and as shitty as possible because they the destination is the goal, right? When and the destination like, is the goal, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 
For sure. But, and obviously with these higher, like, so, you know, with these higher uh, duration yeah. in, like projects, of course, that narrative of like the project, like the journey being um, a big part of it is it, it's, it, it's more relevant then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I love this and you know how I am. I'm going to push you on this. I want to just like push back a little. Um, so I recently posted something the other day because I've been reflecting on this a lot too, because I'm coming up on like the one year of launching my first program, like where my business is at now, how I want to tweak, how I want to adapt, like all those things. And for me with how I've been living in my lifestyle, I'm always traveling. I'm always on the go. I'm always seeing amazing places and taking it in, but I would say 90% of my time, maybe like 80, 85% of my time is spent by myself. And so for me, the destination, hell yeah, of course, that's like the goal, but I know it's inevitable. I know it's going to happen and I'm not willing to like rush the process, I guess. And so for me, it hasn't, it's kind of always been about the journey, but recently I'm no longer that person. I'm the person who wants good company and like fun and friends along the way. Like I want community and I want human interaction. And so that's what I've come to value in the pursuit. And it's like, I don't know. I just, I don't want it to be hard. No, totally. But you've in a sense arrived, right? Yeah. So your goal, the nature of your goals is a little bit more, it's actually important for your goals to stay in a constant state of um change like because you you almost want your goal to change a little bit every day you know you like because you're in a little bit of a different position where you have like I mean in the and this is like what comes across when people meet you is like you have this extreme sense of feeling like you've arrived somewhere right wow like you give off that you know so like you you actually have in a lot of ways arrived and that's what people are looking for you know so I would say the nature of your goals are going to be more along the lines of, like I said, it's like that seagull, you know, it's like a seagull in the sky. Like it's like, it's going to be moving around. Like, the, you know, it's more, you're more dealing with like your dreams now, as opposed to like a yeah. raw, right. That's true. So I think that that requires a little bit different mindset than someone who's like working a job they hate and they're just trying to like create that financial independence. Right. Yeah. Like I think that that's, that's more what I'm touching on when it, it comes to like, you know, like it's more of those, it's more applied, like uh, that, that mindset I'm speaking to is more applies to a very tangible goal. Yeah. Like your goal outcome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree. And that is such a different comparison too, because what I am creating and what I'm doing is always flowing and always changing. And I love that about it. Like I, yeah. I'm just very much that way. Like I'm always growing and changing and flowing. And I think something that I definitely was fascinated about when we first started talking about real estate together is the fact I asked you, I was like, how satisfying is it to have these like plans and these drawn up like pictures of what it's going to look like, but then to have the final product on the final day and you get to look at it and stand in it and see the vision become its actual physical, tangible thing. There's got to be so much satisfaction that comes in those days that it's almost worth the prolonged wait, I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it doesn't all happen at once, right? So it, it, it yeah. is like literally everything is painful up until the window day, right? <laughs> so, you know, like when the windows arrive to windows is installed. So it's just like every little thing mm-hmm. you know, can feel so painful. And yeah. until it is like literally occupied, right? 
Um, but of course, yeah, I mean, just seeing, you know, just like terraforming a, a landscape into becoming something that's going to be inhabited by multiple families over maybe a couple hundred years is definitely, it's a pretty, it, it's, it's a, it's a nice feeling, you know? That's insane. I've never even thought that far out before about the projects. Like me understanding that these projects take years is already such a stretch. Like I think it has to do with day trading. Honestly. Years because it literally will last many, many more years than it takes to build. Right. Yeah. You're right. You're so right. You're so right. I think again, I've just, my, I'm on such a different end of the spectrum when it comes to like my reward system and how fast I'm getting those hits of like satisfaction. And I think a lot of it comes back to day trading too, because at most, some of my trades can take a couple of minutes. Some of my trades can take a couple of hours, maybe a couple of days, a week at max. Like that's, that's a long turn around for like a reward or money or profit to be made. And I think, yeah, it's just so different. It's just such a different world. But I also think that too, part of- Well, and obviously, like one thing that goes without saying when it comes to like, you know, that leveling up of, and like the duration of projects and the duration of, is the stress. I mean, True. that is like the hardest part with these projects is like dealing with the stress of them not being completed for a, like that's, that's really the challenge. It's the yeah. stress tolerance. And that's, and that's, where, and that's why your trades, you know, because if you had like, you know, I mean, obviously there are amazing short-term trades, but there are also a lot of different amazing trades that you can take that are, you know, going to be like, that are going to take three months to pan out. Right. Yeah. Or maybe that's maybe, true. Right. Yeah, that's true. And also I think that's just part of diversifying. Like whether you're an entrepreneur branching into different, like ventures of entrepreneurship or investments, or even just within what I did and what I do currently with like day trading, but then my crypto sits for years, my stocks sit for years. Like there's still long-term things at play. And I guess, honestly, I just don't look at them. I pretend that they don't exist because those are things that I don't want to touch. Um, I'll just continue to put more money into it, which I guess right. is kind of the same where it's like, you're putting more money into a project, you're putting more money into a project and you know that someday down the line, it's going to pay off. You guys have to be a little bit more hands-on with it where I kind of just let it sit. But I do understand that, I guess, in the sense that there's just, it's just a different vision. It's a different timeline, I guess. No, totally. It's a different timeline. You know, you know, it, it's just, it's different in a lot of ways, you know, cause you know, there's, you know, obviously there's acts of God being here in Puerto Rico that can, you know, make things harder, but you know, and, and obviously there's acts of God that can apply to the crypto world as well. Right. So, right. You know, you just have to, you know, apply that, you know, just try to stay calm and while everyone else is being stressed out. If That's you can be true. the one who uh, is just able to tolerate and thrive in stress, then you're going to be useful to the people who you want to be useful to. That's true. So how do you navigate the stress? Like, what do you do to manage it or navigate it? Do you have like any tools or... Um, well, I would say that I'm just, I, I, yeah, I, I think that I've been trying to, this is actually the thing I've been spending a lot of time on lately is like, how do I opt like, how do I continuously get better at that skill? Because to yeah. me, like as a business person with, with the goals that I have, the core thing I need to continue to get better at is managing my stress. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I'm a big mind, body, spirit guy. Yeah. I, I 
like I, that like that is the, the holy trinity i very much believe that that is the foundation of what you are as a human being yeah i do so too for me as long as i am consistently exerting myself over the course of the day over the course of the week across those three dimensions of myself then i'm good you know like if yeah. i'm on the treadmill and i'm getting nauseous you know then and i'm like really like you know working hard and I know that I'm getting better at running, then I'm good, right? And I apply that same kind of like treadmill analogy, you know, to getting nauseous on the treadmill, to like literally puking on the, like to getting to that point. <laughs> because, no, I mean this because I think it's, you know, it's very easy for people to understand how to exert themselves in the body, right? Yeah. It's less easy for them to understand how to exert themselves through the mind or through the spirit. And mm-hmm. so like, but it's extremely important to, it, continually level up across all three of those parts of yourself yeah and right now we live in this culture where people go to yoga and meditation solely as like mostly enjoyable experiences right they leave it and they're like oh that felt so good you know blah blah but i would encourage more people to meditate and to do yoga and to do those practices until they feel nauseous until they feel a little scared maybe you know like until they they get a little bit of a fear response because yeah. that's when you know you're breaking through a new threshold you're breaking through a new level and when you're that's breaking through new levels then you're discovering that not only can i tolerate this level i'm at right now but i can all uh, get and I'll, I'll inevitably be able to break a new threshold past this one i just discovered right yeah and that applies to all three of those dimensions of yourself like, it applies seriously. to everything right that, it literally applies to everything and you think about like monks in training at monasteries like they're meditating all fucking day yeah (laughs) it's literally not like a pleasurable little 20 minute hour-long yoga meditation whatever it is it is quite literally a dedication and I think too that it builds your resiliency along the way and it builds kind of just the surrender to the fact that you have to commit to something if you do want to break that next level, which then applies to everything in life, whether it's relationships, business, career, stress management, like physical health, physical results, it applies to everything. You have to break that threshold. Exactly. But there's also the comfort zone, you know, and like when you do break that threshold, it's a matter of maintaining it then because a lot of people do go back to their status quo. Yeah. And that's been the hard thing for me right now where it's it like, because you, you have to, you can't, and you also can't break the thresholds too often, you know, no. because then, no. you know, so you, there's a balance to be struck between, you know, that finding that comfort zone, discovering the new threshold, embracing that new threshold as that new comfort zone. Right. Yeah. But it, to me, it's more about just continuously being in that suit continuously, okay. you know, just, you know, and maybe like, maybe it's this month I'm focused on pushing myself mentally and next month I'm pushing myself. Maybe I'm, I'm going for that three hour meditation per day kind of thing where I'm, and I'm trying to, and I'm trying to meditate into my dreams and I'm trying to stay conscious as my body falls asleep and keeping my mind awake as I'm entering those states, those other states of consciousness, right? Like that's how you really, you know, because I've, I've experienced a lot of fulfillment doing that. And I think I've also, experienced a lot of um intangible improvement about myself as a person yeah I want to hear about it and it's a different benefit I think than the benefits I can get from running really hard or lifting really hard right but you know 
Yeah. Oh my God. So you're actually, do you do this where you will meditate into your sleep and then you're like conscious as you start to enter the dream state? Yeah, I, I, I definitely have done this. I, it hasn't been a priority for me super like that much lately. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Where, you know, if, you know, yeah, I, yeah, that's something I've did, done a good amount where I'm, as I'm falling asleep, I am visualizing the room that I'm in. I am, you know, signaling to my body through words or not that I'm trying, I want to keep my, my mind awake as my body falls asleep. Yeah. I visualize my mind falling asleep. Like, you know how like your, your hand goes numb if you've been sitting on it a little bit. Like mm -hmm. I visualize that feeling from my feet up. And then I, once the picture of my room is like kind of settled in my mind, then sometimes I'll find myself in that room, like as that dream begins, right? Yeah. And if, if my setting is defined as I'm entering that dream state, then I find that I have wildly more control in that lucid dreaming experience. It's like, instead of um, finding yourself in a painting, right? So yeah. like when people are lucid dreaming, right? They find themselves in a painting or whatever. They, again, they find themselves in a setting and then they start to interact with that setting. Okay. But with what I'm describing, I think this is what people typically mean by like out-of-body experiences or astral projection and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're consciously entering the state and you are in a blank canvas or you're in a canvas that you yourself drew before entering it. Yeah, which, okay. So as you were saying this, I was thinking about it. And I kind of do something similar, but I'm not doing it within my bedroom currently or wherever I'm staying. I'm doing it for like the apartment that I want or like the trip that I want to yeah. see or like the view that I want to have or like, I, like I'm doing it for the things that I want to create. And it's my favorite way to go to sleep because it does, it drops you into that. And then sometimes this is a funny example, but um, when I was just in Tampa the last three weeks, I toured a couple of apartments out there just for fun. And when I was in there, I laid on the floor where I would put my bed and I just paused in that moment to like soak it up because I wanted to be able to fall asleep with the same mental image. If that were to be like the apartment that I want or whatever it is, like I literally put myself in the position to remember that mentally, like mental photography. Yeah. Um, and like, I do that now because I know that the next thing that I want, my next manifestation that I want to bring in is a solid apartment and what it's going to look like specifically, which is floor to ceiling windows and just very specific little things. Um, and like mentally touring that I know is part of what brings it because that's how I brought about my trip around the world basically was the exact same thing. I started listening to rain at night and my alarm in the morning are birds chirping because I knew if I was going to be waking up in the jungle out in Bali, that's what I would be going through. And that's the sensations I would have. And yeah. it's fucking epic, but I think it's such a cheat code and I've never done it with no intentions or like trying to do it within the room that I'm in. But. Well, I think the one, well, one cool way to put this, like to like position what you're saying. Yeah. Is that you're doing a form of like, you know how people say, like talk about like fake it before you make it. Right. Yeah. People can apply, like people understand that in terms of like, like applying it to themselves as a person. Like I want to be a annoying musician. I'm going to wear linen shirts and I'm going to show up to parks with an acoustic guitar, right? Like people get that, <laughs> right? But people maybe don't understand like what you're describing, I think, which is like a form of that. It's like a form of like, I'm literally mentally and physically going to experience what it's like 
living the life I want, living in the place I want, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're you're actually faking it. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah, but you're not though. You're not though. Like you're like in a similar way as someone who like before like you know they fake it to the make it. You're doing it. You're applying that. I think a similar philosophy to helping your manifestation processes, helping you you know speed up. Yeah, you get where you want to go because yeah. you know. I think I like to think of it as hopping timelines. Like <clears throat> the things that I want, I already have somewhere in the future, and so yeah. when I'm in those states, it's more so just me fast tracking to a different time in the physical moment that I'm in, obviously. Um, but there's actually a book that I just started reading yesterday, two days ago. I'm going to send you the link to the podcast on it. Cause you're going to love it. It's, um, like the five personality patterns or things like okay. that. And it kind of is similar to the book that you recommended to me last time I saw you. Um, but it's all about how we have like our coping mechanisms and it talks about denial. It talks about like when you're in the stream state or for example, like the one that I am is like the leaving pattern. Okay. And that essentially means that when things get scary or um, a lot or feel dangerous in my body, my spirit will tend to float up or like out or away, or okay. I will physically move myself away, which yeah you've known me long enough at this point to see that actually take place in my life. And it's funny to see how reading this book explains it because I've realized, and they talk about this within the trait, but the people who have this trait have some of the most intense imaginations and like abilities to picture things outside of themselves and like bring about fantasy type world situations, right? And that's something that can be used to either crush me or it can be used to build me. And as I'm reading this book and I'm finding out about how my brain works and like where my attention sits and how things just kind of start making sense about like who I am, right? And the way I function and my patterns, um, I realized that so many of these things I've been using as manifestation tools or creative tools when I'm creating programs or whatever it is, but it's a similar situation where it talks about you kind of getting up out of your physical body and seeing things from like a third person view. Actually, can I ask you when you have childhood memories, do you see them from like your point of view or do you see them from like a third person watching the memory? I would say like both but majority being from my perspective. And mine are never from my perspective. Mine are always a third person. Like I watch the memory happen. So that is something that I didn't even realize was not a normal thing. So, well, so is that you remembering the memory or is that you remembering yourself reflecting on the memory? No, that's straight up the memory. Okay. Like all... I've, I've done a lot of like visualizations and like meditations and hypnosis and things like that, where like every single time, all of my memories come from a third person point of view, but this book talks about it and there's, there's four or five different ones. So like each person has a blend of everything, but you'll tend to sway towards one pattern more than the other. And, um, yeah, like I said, my attention just kind of exists somewhere outside of my physical body because 
coming into the world, adapting like ages zero to six or ages zero to seven, um, my physical body didn't feel so safe because of the environment or the people or whatever it was. So some people, for example, the opposite of what I have um, is, I don't know what it's called. I don't know the term, but um, basically when things happen, they'll bunker down, like they'll bunker down and they'll just become like sluggish inside their body. They'll stop functioning. Um, And it was just so fascinating because that book that you showed me talks about denial and talks about all these different things that are like ways our ego can deceive us. Yeah. That's that book is about self-deception. Yeah. And breaking and because, and, and the people, I don't think really realize this, but the um, self-deception and like the, uh, the categories of self-deception are are equivalent to ego defenses you know Mm -hmm. like psychologists and psychiatrists think about those self-defense sorry self-deception and ego defenses as as kind of similar phenomena and i I think that uh not a lot of people like just will go and learn and read about all the ego all the ways that the ego will defend itself right because man what's you know that's pretty important stuff yeah it is really important i think that that just turns on a light bulb in your life as soon as you understand why you function the way you function you have the control and the power and the capacity to at least slow down in future moments and maybe make decisions differently and i think well so the superpower i think the ultimate superpower is just realizing that oh my goodness there's nothing in this world i control except my mind yeah and the mind is not an easy thing to control but it's the only thing available to you to control. The only <laughs> thing. That's so true. That's the only so thing true. in this world that is even on the list of things you're that are available to you for you to control. So if you don't figure out how to control that, then good luck trying to control something else. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I think we talked about this the first time we met on your birthday. It was like I said something about how if you can learn to control if you can learn to master people, you can learn to like master life and like the world in general. And a lot of that comes down to mastering your own brain and function and all of those things, which is so well, crazy. People will, make, people will make you their master if you're able to be the person who could, is yeah. able to control the mind. Yeah, that is true. And for better or for worse, which is why I think it's important to do as good people. But yeah, no, of course. You don't want it. Yeah, yeah. You want people who also <laughs> that's obviously more easier said than done, right? Always those people are typically leading their own armies. Always. I mean, community at the end of the day is all it is. Whether you see it in a good way or a bad way, or there's good intentions or bad intentions, it's all just people with their own agendas and whatever it is. But I want to let this kind of segue into maybe like the last topic we'll talk about, but there's a really fascinating thing that you and I have talked about before between men and women. And I think that this is another cheat cheat code hack um, where we talked about, and I'm probably going to butcher explaining this. So yeah, no, I know, I know you're referring to. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So we were talking about your work mm-hmm. and how, you know, the things that you do to kind of guide women towards, you know, recovering from a breakup. Right. And, and a lot of that is in the dealing with self-esteem, right? Mm-hmm. And building a woman's self-esteem so that they feel confident enough to be able to be themselves around new men that they're meeting, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the way I broke it down was 
um, in order to help a woman um, improve their self-esteem, you want to improve their ability to say no to others, right? And yes. then with men, the idea is to improve their ability to persuade others to say yes, right? Yeah. So okay. as a man, if you're dealing with self-esteem issues, you should be building practices and building habits that are improving your ability to persuade others to do the things that you want them to do. And yes. It, it, but the fuck thing is that it includes yourself. Persuade yourself to do the things that you want to do, right? Mm about what you're able to get others and yourself to say yes to, okay? That's yeah. the male version, right? Yeah, yeah. But with a woman, it's, it's different. You need to, because the world is asking so much from you, your muscle needs to be no, no, no. Like how much and how often can you say no is going in a lot of ways to determine your value as a woman to not only to the world, but to yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and you know this, a woman with a extremely high self-esteem is basically saying no to everything that walks by them. Yeah. You know, men, other women, everything, you know? Yeah, that's so, so true. You know, so realize that that's, so building skills, building even just like mental habits. Mm -hmm. Like one thing that I realized even reflecting on some of the conversations that we had um, I was reflecting on some of my past breakups and one of them in college where I was just nauseous every time this girl would, you know, go through my head. And yeah. I, like crazy person, would repeat in my head, let go and grow, let go and grow. Maybe 30, 60, 90 times yeah, in a row. Yeah, so grow, good. Let go and grow, let go and grow. And for me, it became a muscle where I was, every time I was having that thought and having the snowballing effect of that thinking about that other person, right? The snowball would be smaller and smaller and smaller, the better and quicker I got to creating that mental trigger, saying something like let go and grow kind of mantra. That's just what worked for me. And I, but it's still a, a kind of a muscle I have now with other like things that are bothering me emotionally, where I can bring that let go and grow thing mm -hmm. and, and it, it reorients me. It, it, it brings me back to the emotion that I want to be in yeah. or like that, that emotional state I want to be in. And then it's up to me to be like emotionally focused and staying in that zone. Yeah. And so, that, and that's kind of the, the next part with like this, you know, I think on the self-esteem for women stuff is like, you want to really embrace a, and realize that you're every day, you're not going to wake up and you're not going to feel the way you want to feel. Right. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's but, just but there are things that you can do to like, whether it's getting sun, whether it's moving your body a little bit, whether mm -hmm. it's drinking some lemon water, whether it's washing your face, there's yeah. going to be something that you can do that's going to bring you to an emotional state that you're going to be satisfied with. And then it's up to you as the person who's creating that emotional state to stay focused. It, it's a different type of focus than like a mental focus. It's an emotional yeah. focus. It know? is. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you can stay emotionally focused throughout your day, you're actually going to be a lot more mentally focused throughout your mm -hmm. day too. Mm -hmm. so, I don't know. I think that most of that idea is just like recognizing that the core skill as a woman that you're needing to develop when you are at a place of low self-esteem is just going to be different from what a man's skill needs to be. Right. Because yeah. if a man continuously building up their his ability to persuade others and to persuade himself to yeah. uh, that to people saying yes right then 
they are going to have a higher self-esteem if they can, you know, because then they're going to, then they're going to get other men to give them more money to go do yeah. more projects. Do yeah. more business. They're going to get more dates from women. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to get those DMs responded to more often, whatever, <laughs> right? Like that's, it, it, that is literally what's going to bring guys more self-esteem, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen this with women, with, with, with women, you know, who get a disproportionate amount of uh, attention and, and then they get indulgent in that intention and then their dopamine levels are shot and they're depressed, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so that's, and that's, I don't know what it'd be like to deal with that. I'm not a, you know, I'm not suffering from an overwhelming amount of online attention. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, uh, I think that, that that's just a framing that's helped me and some of the other women in my life. Yeah, no, I think the mantra is so powerful and they really can be. And when you have the mental discipline to fire that every single time that person pops into your head or that belief, whatever it is, that's the process of rewiring your brain and having new beliefs and creating new beliefs, which then helps you add to the emotional discipline and the emotional regulation where you said when you can learn to control your emotions is more so how you can change your world too, because your emotions drive your actions and your actions obviously create your world. And it's crazy that, you know, you talk about men and that side of like boosting back up their confidence and it's through, you know, being, building the skills to say yes, or to get yeses from people. And I, on the other end, I'm thinking about this the whole time from a woman's perspective and what I do with my women and my programs and a lot of this, like you said, is me building them up, helping them build themselves up with tools and practices that have become so sophisticated. Um, and it's all about them being so happy and whole on their own that they can say no, that they're not yeah. feeling like they have to say yes. Yes. And the thing too, to keep in mind is that like, what I really mean by men and women is masculinity, femininity, because there's obviously going to be a woman who's going to get into a zone where she's more focused on her business, maybe. And yeah. that, that's a more masculine thing. And she's going to have to build skills that are going to get people to say yes. Right. So that, exactly. that goes to that. Right. Exactly. And, and, and like, and, but if we get back to the why of the femininity of why am I learning to say no? Mm -hmm. Because every time you say yes, you're losing a little bit of your sensitivity. And as a woman, like, like if you're really being feminine, you're being very sensitive, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so if you're a set, like, so your femininity in a lot of ways is linked to your sensitivity, you know, mm -hmm. and saying yes to people who um, aren't worthy of you, of you saying yes to, right? They're, they're going to only take away your sensitivity. They're not going to act, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And you know, as women, like we feel it happen and it might be something that we don't necessarily catch on to right away because a lot of the times that's when those rose tinted glasses come in and that everybody experiences. And kind of like you said, you know, we all have masculine and feminine energy within us and it's yeah. a matter of pulling the right strings when you need to for what's appropriate in life. Kind of like you said, balancing that between business and relationships. But overall, I think having that in tune strength again as women when we feel whole on our own we don't have so much of the rose tinted glasses because let's just say you're lonely and you're looking for a partner and you want somebody to be with okay that is going to make you look at somebody in a glorified picture because they fit an agenda that you 
have, which would be to have company, right? But so many people, men and women included, are more likely to lie to themselves about the way a person is approaching them or appearing to them than they are about where their standards are and what it is they're actually looking for and what they want. And so initially those rose tinted glasses really work to fit the agenda because now you can fit that person into a specific place. But as soon as you're no longer lonely anymore, or as soon as you don't really need that fix anymore, this person starts to become clear and you get to see the full picture of what, you know, maybe you didn't see beforehand. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you, you have to recognize that come, um, approaching anything not from a place of strength is a risk and obviously dating is that if you're not if you're approaching your dating life and you're not in a place you know if you're not where you want to be and you're putting yourself in a position to meet a partner who could last a lifetime yeah and you're you're already you're treat you're not treating yourself with respect you're not treating that future partner with respect like you're not you know like yeah and there's no rush with these things right like you actually like I feel like people put so much pressure on themselves to find these partners and all that but Mm -hmm. like it's you should feel way more pressure just getting your life set up how you want it to be set up yeah so that you can approach dating yeah meeting the partner of your life the most important decision you'll ever make as a human being right you approach that process from strength right and that yeah i mean that's so abundantly clear to me like peace people are why wildly too comfortable with entering the dating market when their life isn't the way they want it to be yeah because they feel like they need something to make them happy and then they search for it outside of themselves but i think what you said is amazing and it's obviously something that i stand by because the more time you put into building yourself and knowing yourself and building the life that you want and knowing what that looks like, the more likely you are to attract the person who complements that versus trying to find a person and then like rebuild your life around whatever their dreams and their wants and things like that are too. Like, I think building together is a beautiful thing when you are in a place to take that on, but building yourself has to come first. Yeah. But again, it's literally as simple as like, anything you approach in life from a place of weakness and not from a place of strength and you know from a place of where you want to be when you're approaching that thing yeah there's risk. yeah like you're, you're, you're like you know i mean you're literally you know you're not prepared going the thing you're going into so why are you going into it in the first place especially yeah. like this like you like you're not trying to like you know what i mean yeah yeah and i i think that's honestly where there's a bit of a divide because some people just don't even have the conscious awareness of understanding what that looks like or taking the time to slow down and question themselves on why they're doing something or maybe what they're feeling. And then they're looking for outside of themselves instead of just trying to, you know, assess, okay, what is it that I'm needing? Do I feel X, Y, Z? How can I provide that for myself? That's a learned skill. It is. That's, it's, that, no, it is. And it, and it takes patience and it takes all these things. But at the end of the day, like the harder you work, the less patient you have to be. Right. Yeah. Very true. Very true. And that's what it honestly, I feel like we just did the perfect full circle moment of tying back to the first conversation where it's like, you yeah. do just have to keep your head down and focus on project by project and 
hope that not hope work towards the future that you want to have. And also like the thing about this stuff is like, you might figure, you might have an idea for how you want your life to be. You might achieve it mm-hmm. and it might not at all be what you actually want. Yep. Been there. So listen, like you have, like it might take two rounds of achieving ridiculous goals for you to actually be in a place where you're, you know, yeah. wanting to track that partner. Right. Yeah. So that's very true. And again, with anything, and, it, and it's like, you know, I mean, this is obviously like the classic Jordan Peterson ism, but like if you, you know, if you treat how you treat yourself, how you treat others is how you ultimately treat yourself. Right. Yeah. So if you're, if you're entering the dating market and you're kind of lazily, you know, not don't have your life together, like, uh, like you're going to be reciprocated. Like you're, uh, yeah. the, the partners you attract are also going to be like, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the law of attraction and everything until you are the partner that you desire, you're not going to call that in. And so again, I think it just reflects back perfectly to having patience and having the tools and the mental capacity to build mental resilience and emotional discipline and work towards a life that you know is going to pay off. Maybe not immediately, kind of like these real estate projects, but they're going to pay out massively and last so much longer when you put in the small compounded actions behind it. Exactly. And that is literally everything in life. Everything that people want, everything that is worthwhile is the result of small compounding efforts that you show up to every day and you tend to. It's the 100 push-ups a day for 10 years. You know, it's, okay. it's, the, it's that. That's yeah. what, that, that's where you get results in your body and your mind, your spirit, right? Yeah, this has been so good. Nick, I want to thank you for your time and for hanging out and just for being such a stand-up guy and everything so wise. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. This was really fun. Okay. You're awesome. Keep up your great work, okay?